Hi guys, this is John from the future, recording a little preamble at the top of the show. So today's movie, The Lonely Lady, deals with a woman's struggles of trying to break into the Hollywood industry. She deals with uh, rape and sexual assault, which are two very serious topics, and we try to treat them seriously. Um, and we try to be careful about separating the fact that this movie is not very good from the fact that those are difficult and sensitive topics. So I just wanted to offer a content warning that if you are not in a place where you want to hear mentions of those sorts of subjects, you might do well to skip this episode. Um, but with that said, we, we did try to be careful and thoughtful about the way that we approach it. So thanks. Uh, all right, enjoy the show. And we're back. All right, guys. <laughs> it's episode eight. Welcome back to the Zero Oscars. I'm John. I'm Kylan. I'm Eli. And with us, of course, our special guest, the man. He's a really great guy, but I did forget to do his intro. I forgot to write it. It's Tanner. Tanner, welcome to the show. What's up? <laughs> I I committed. I was like on the spot. I'll think of something, and I just went blank. You know what? You're good. I'm not. I'm not important enough to warn. That's not. Front. That's not the reason. It's all me centered. <laughs> this, is, this is a personal problem. I have to sort through. I also can't remember good. the day, the president or what year this is. Those are all very hard to know facts. It's so true. Who can really know what those are? Exactly. Anyways, lads, uh, today we, we saw the lonely lady, but before we get into that, let's, uh, let's, let's do a sort of a palate cleanse to set our baseline levels before our EKG ratings spike. Um, hmm. How you guys been doing? What have, you, what have you guys been watching? I watched Interstellar for the first time the other night. Ooh, very Nolan big fan. Mentioned. Oh yeah, big fan of Nolan. Really like the uh, use of, you know, general relativity with time. Thought mm. that was super cool. Enjoyed seeing that in a movie. So it was fun. It, it is a fun film. I I will say, I, I'm just curious how you think it ranks to the other Nolan films okay, that you've so, seen. Like Inception, say, is yeah. going to be the most popular example. I think Inception's my, I like it more, but I did like Interstellar a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I haven't seen a ton, but I like them both better than The Dark Knight. But gotcha, that's wild. I like sci-fi type stuff more than superheroes. Eli, Eli is offended. No one's super, <laughs> and there are no heroes. He's a super great guy. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I've seen Interstellar twice, and I was let down both times. I I think I love the idea of that movie. I I didn't feel like it was like lived up maybe to the hype. Maybe I had unrealistic expectations, but I do think it's very good. I liked that Timothy Chamley was in it as a young lad. Is he? He is. Oh, is he the brother? Yeah, like as a kid. That's Timothy oh, Chamley. that's wild. That was before I was Chalamet conscious. Mm. Yeah, I found out after, and I was like, huh, that's pretty cool. Mm. That is pretty cool. Big fan of that lad. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, enough of you. What, if, what, yeah. what about the other... Eli, Tanner, what about you guys? Uh, I watched this movie. Uh, my mom put it on, and I, and we decided to put this movie on because we were just scrolling through the movies, you know, as you do. What are we gonna watch? And there was this movie title: "They Only Kill Their Masters." The okay. image: a Doberman, <laughs> just sort of <laughs> snarling. <laughs> and I said, Say no more, and we turned that bad boy on. Uh, and it, it turned out to be a really bad uh, whodunit murder mystery. 
um, that one might expect would be on this uh, podcast. But it starred James Garner. Uh, there was a twist at the end that was worse than what you originally were thinking it was going to be. So it wasn't the dog? No. That you, well, you find out it's not the dog in the first 10 minutes. What? So, if I thought the twist was going to be that it really was the dog. a framing device to name your movie. Yeah. And have the iconography be a dog. When you're just going to give away that that's not the case in the first 10 minutes. But uh, it was really enjoyable. But it wasn't any good. Hmm. There's a there's a romantic scene where they eat meatloaf, which is maybe the least romantic. They ate him. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he didn't give him justice for meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, what a film! <laughs> Wild. So that's what I've been up to. Okay, okay. An honorable, honorable scroll. You're sort of doing work off the clock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say make sure you're clocking in. You know, stick it mm-hmm. to the man and all that, but. You know, I respect the hustle. Thank you. Tanner, how are you? What have you been watching? Good. I've, I was just, I was at my parents and was scrolling through um, different stuff. And the Scorpion King movie was on and I really liked The Mummy. And I was like, I'll watch this. And I was like, this is crazy. And then I learned that there were five of those. Mm. So I watched, I've spent the past several days watching the Scorpion King movies. Yes. And they are, um, they're, they're a trip. I, I don't they're really fun. know anything about the Scorpion King movies other than that, that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the star, right? Am I, am I correct? So the, the entire premise of the movies is in The Mummy Returns. Mm-hmm. Like this is the, the main antagonist and it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson's first movie appearance. Okay. So they like, when I watch movies, I like to look at the reviews and things like that. So I was looking in, when the studio was watching the dailies come in, Mm -hmm. they were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. We could make this its own movie. So Universal was like, Dwayne, do you want to do your own Scorpion King standalone movie? And he was like, of course, but just one. So they do this movie. They do have an all, you know, pretty decent cast. It's a pretty decent movie with a good plot. They kind of set up for his appearance in The Mummy Returns. And then they're like, you know what? Let's make a second one, but it's a prequel to this prequel. Mm. And then they're like, let's make three other movies that don't make any sense to the storyline. And have... So three and four have one actor that's not Dwayne Johnson, and then five has this other random dude. Uh, In the the role that should be... Like, one and two were, like, pretty serious and fit with the whole thing. Like, two could have fit in well as a good prequel. Like, they weren't bad. I kind of liked them. Three and four, it's like they tried to make it an adventure comedy. Mm. But it was just, like, really garbage, and the timelines didn't match up. And then five was, like, this super serious, stoic story of redemption where four did not set up for there to be a redemption story at all. Like each movie ends with, and he lives happily ever after in a new kingdom with a new woman. And then the next movie comes along and it's like, now he's back to being a lone mercenary <laughs> with no kingdom every time. He got bored. And it's just like, he was like, you know, I can't stay in one place. I can't. And it's, it, it, it's a fun little trip to go on, but it, it was, it was decently enjoyable. Once you got past three and four, five wasn't bad. It would just took itself too seriously. If you were to rank, just just to give us a quick hot yeah. list, how would you rank the Scorpion King series on um, farming letterbox lists? I I would say if I had to rank them, 
it would go one, two, five, um, three, and four. Okay. When can Probably we expect the, uh, the Scorpion King podcast to be out? <laughs> I'll just a do a podcast series. where I just critique Scorpion King lore. <laughs> I'd listen to it. The movie franchise nobody knows about or cares about except for me. <laughs> well, I had no idea it was a mummy tie-in. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's wild. I've also never seen the mummy. No. Um, which You'd I know I'm really? I'm really missing out on all the Tom Cruise movies I've been meaning to see. No, shut up. What? <laughs> the Tom Cruise movie. I haven't seen that one. I've seen the well, original the only three one. with Brendan that Fraser. Not good. I don't understand. That's the mummy. <laughs> I don't like this, John. I don't like this bit. <laughs> it's not a bit. This is the reality. The There's a movie I called The Mummy and it stars it. Tim We've Cruise. We've been doing this for what five minutes, and I've already like ruined the whole podcast. Everybody's mad at John. Again, it's not you. It's a me. It's a personal problem. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of them. I don't know what the I don't know who the president is currently, but I do know that Timothy Chalamet is now an interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> I know enough to get. Those by. are the questions doctors should ask, like amnesia patients. <laughs> Who's the little boy Interstellar? Name five filler actors from Interstellar. Go. And they go, oh, oh Timothy Chalamet. And they go, he's, he's good. He's lucid. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. He has a heart and a soul. Um, <laughs> what are you even doing, John? Well, I haven't seen a ton of stuff because we did record pretty yeah. recently. But I will talk about one movie that I've seen in the last week called Equilibrium. Some of you may have seen this. I, I talked briefly to a few of you about this, but it's 2002. Uh, picture this, you're a big studio executive and you say, the Matrix made a lot of money. X-Men made a lot of money. And so you have to crystallize and pick out the elements that made those franchises so successful and just really capitalize on that and bring the viewers what they want. And what the viewers want, they want leather, they want gung fu. And did I say gung? Gun foo, um, um, and then you know they they want uh, they want Sean Bean to die very soon and very quickly, uh, tragically some would say. Uh, they got they want a, a brooding, emotionless white male figure. It's not Keanu Reeves. It's Christian Bale. He lives mm-hmm. in a society that's sort of like the I guess maybe it's the prequel to Divergent. I don't care. Uh, it's it's a world where. No one can use their emotions because we've said, oh, emotions lead to war. And we're not about that life anymore. So we all take this drug called uh, Ritalin and we no longer, <laughs> we no longer have emotional impulses. So Christian Bale and, and Sean Bean are a, I, what are they called? They're called clerics. And they go out and hunt um, sense criminals. Uh, <laughs> out in the uh out in the nether region mm-hmm. uh so they go outside the city and they just they wear in their leather suits and they they pull out their guns but they do like karate and spin around um it's it's enjoyable it's very it's an enjoyable movie i got to see it on a rumble couch and it's just shaking the whole time and it's <laughs> it's quite a hoot and i will say most of the movie is pretty forgettable but i will spoil the movie and it's been 18 years this movie's legal so i think i can bring it up the end of this movie, there's a wild tonal shift. Most of it, it's a PG-13 movie. Or maybe it's R, I don't know. I didn't read the rating. Um, but it's not an excessively violent movie. It has a lot of violence in it, but it's, you know, it's not graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, except there's a one final fight where 
it, wouldn't you have it? Their guns are out of ammunition and our lead is facing up against our villain or maybe the mini boss, maybe more accurately. And they're having a big confrontation. They take out their swords. They're fighting samurai swords. Uh, our hero, Christian Bale, I wish I knew what his name is. I don't, I don't care. Uh, he, it's, he it's wins Christian the battle. Every movie. He, he, it, it really should be. Um, he, he makes the killing blow. He, he kills his opponent. His opponent collapses onto his knees and is dead. Uh, and you're like, oh, I didn't really see where Christian Bale hit him. But it turns out Christian Bale has cleanly sliced the entire man, the front of the man's face, just directly off. And it slides off in a bit of like <laughs> prop comedy. where it, it, The rest of the movie has been grounded in that Matrix style of like things happen, but it's not explicit. And this is incredibly graphic. <laughs> and and also just funny because there's so much friction at play as this man's face just slowly <laughs> slides off its body and i went what <laughs> uh so i it's it's worth checking out if if only if nothing else you should go on youtube and look up um equilibrium face slice or something of that nature and you'll okay. find it or just go look on lively i'm sure they have a copy yeah editor cut it in right now <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'll definitely do that um Anyways, so there we have it. Those are some other films that are not The Lonely Lady. Hollywood is a world of glamour. A world where everything has its price. And nothing is forbidden. It is the world of Harold Robbins, The Lonely Lady. Pia Zadora is The Lonely Lady. She's determined to take nothing less than everything Hollywood has to offer. Boys, it's time for time summaries. So, as you guys know, as you you listeners, you're eight episodes deep. You're like, I can't get enough of this show. I've memorized the format. I can predict what every host is going to say. That's right. We're going to have 20 seconds to summarize a movie, then 15, then 10. And our Tanner, our wonderful guest, has the coveted five-second slot. And he's going to tell us everything crucial about the lonely lady in five seconds. So, we're going to start off with the 20. I believe I have the 20 this week. Um, and... I am realizing as I uh, set up and share the screen, I haven't thought at all about how I'm going to summarize this movie. So, uh, you know, I got 20 seconds to play with. Uh, hello? There you go. And uh, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. So, three, two, one. All right, there's a lady, and she's pretty lonely, but I don't remember her name. Oh, it's Geraldine, I think. Anyway, she's a young high schooler. She has big dreams. She won an English competition. She wants to become a writer. She lives in the San Fernando Valley. She meets the son of a screenwriter. Uh, one of his friends sexually assaults her. She's massively abused, but then she marries the screenwriter, has a lot of affairs, and is abused a lot in Hollywood. Well, Frank, I think that turned out better than I was expecting. Yeah, you went a long way a lot in seconds. All right. I believe Kylan, you're it's, next, right? You have the 15 second slot. Oh, I got Eli? 10 seconds. Oh, yeah, God. you're right. You're right. Oh, oh. Uh, stalling noises. <laughs> All right. I'm going to count you in, Eli. Okay. You ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, and go. Barely is a woman. And you know what that means. 
she immediately gets sexually assaulted uh, multiple times throughout the film because that's all that's apparently going to happen in Hollywood. Uh, it's very brutal and sad. You you phrased that in possibly the worst way ever. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, Kylan. <laughs> Are you ready for me to, to count oh, you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, three, two, one, go. Jerry not Jerry Lewis, the pianist, uh, ends up getting sexually assaulted, marries a screenwriter, ends up getting pregnant, ends up doing a bunch of stuff. She sexually assaults a lot and makes a movie. Nice. I appreciate using one of your one of your sacred seconds to to clarify that this is Jerry Lee Lewis. Not this one, is not Jerry three, Lee Lewis. Three. I counted. He was he was on second seven when he left the Jerry Lee Lewis subplot. It's an important plot point. All right, and with it's the, the only five, plot point, it's the only relevant plot point. They keep every time they keep bringing it up. This is not Jerry Lee Lewis. You're not Jerry Lee Lewis. You can't just get this made. Um, all right, Tanner, with the coveted five-second slot, are you ready for me to count you in? Gotcha. All right, three, two, one, and go. There's a lot of sex wrapped around an abortion, wrapped around a rape, wrapped around an award-winning movie, and a divorce. Incredible. This is well put. All right, those are some beautiful summaries, guys. And I probably should have clarified earlier, just sort of as a general content warning, there is... Uh, this is a movie that focuses heavily around sexual assault and rape and uh, abuse, particularly suffered by women in Hollywood. So I understand why that might be upsetting or triggering. So just take that under advisement. Um, obviously, the movie itself is bad, but we are not making fun of the, some of the content of this movie. I mm -hmm. hope that distinctions should be clear. But anyways, uh, would anyone care to sort of lead broad strokes what happened in the the lonely lady and we can sort of piece it together as we go along i'm good to start us off all right just just get us going uh so the movie we all watched it we were all there uh it starts off there's like a red carpet event i'm not really sure why this scene was shot um because it has nothing to do with the school event, does it? Well, it's the uh, it's them starting at the end, because that's the ending scene. They show they a little bit of it. at the end, but you don't know what it. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's yeah. a very short amount of time. Yeah, it's so, a pretty advanced narrative technique. Mm -hmm. You <laughs> you start the scene. It's it's a it's a bookend. It's a bookend narrative. Mm -hmm. Michael Zobiak can confirm this is a bookend narrative. I tried to write one. I think for his class, I didn't. I don't know. Anyways. But yeah, they, they start off with this award ceremony that they I, eventually come back to at the very end of the film. I, but yeah, there's no context to why it is. The problem with it is that it's a, well, you know, it's meant to be the Academy Awards, but they never say the Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my problem with it is that it goes from, oh, so this is like this big official event, then to a school award show, which yeah. maybe they were trying to make that a connection. But it's very odd because you go from one award show that's a bookend to I, another one. It's so apparently, apparently they made a TV version for of this movie, mm -hmm. and in the TV oh. version they cut out that first red carpet scene mm -hmm. and just replaced it with like hand drawn images of like Jerry Lee writing her screenplay and like 
directing things mm-hmm. and then it jumps into the school thing. So okay. it's just kind of like it it flows a little bit better, but I I agree. Like the first the first part of it's just like, oh hey, look, there's this big award show and now we're back to high school out of nowhere. Yeah. Maybe it's just me not understanding narrative structures. It's hard. I, to- I thought it was an odd cut. Like I, I will agree it's a little bit of an odd cut. I will say it made sense to me. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe par- partially because I sort of knew just a very loose blurb of what this movie was going to be. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made sense to me that it's like, oh, she, she'll eventually end up here because gotcha. this is like her aspiration and you can kind of see the signs of it. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is, so since it was a bookend, I don't remember if this was in the first half, like at the very beginning of the movie or the very end, but when she's walking on the red carpet, and, and they go it's like the announcers on like supposed to be the tv announces and they're like who's that and they're like well she doesn't have an escort so she can't be anybody <laughs> that yeah. that adr really got me that was at the beginning it's very on the nose but uh anyway we we cut to the award ceremony like the school one uh we get we meet our main character Jerry last name uh who randall randall Jerry Lee randall who uh Two first names Two first names. Uh, One monster. Three first uh, names if you want to get technical. Jerry, <laughs> Lee, yeah. and Gosh. And two is, last names if you want to get technical. He has a surplus of names. Uh, <laughs> but So she she's winning the Creative Writing Award at her school or at some greater event. I at her high school, yeah. I didn't pick that up. I thought it was college because they mentioned an uh, English major or something. Oh, oh was it college? Oh, no, I thought I know they that, mentioned a major at it, so actually, I assumed it was college. I think you're probably right. That sort of contextualizes it differently for me because I sort of understood it as, oh, yeah, you're definitely right. I don't know why I took it because just because she looks really young, mm-hmm. I took it as like she's in high school, um, which really um, I maybe colored how I interpreted some of the later stuff. Uh, anyways, go on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think it was college. She, she, wins, the, she wins the award. Woo! Uh, in the background is a character who'll show up later, Guy Jackson, who's like a film director or screenwriter. He becomes a director. If you paid attention, you would pick up on. Um, so, you know, it's a whole party. Everyone's like, woo, she won the thing. You know, there's food. She's hanging out with friends. I There's some people that are sort of introduced and they kind of filter out. But um she she leaves with a friend named uh, Walter. Walt, Walt excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Walt. Because there's another character. His Please, Walter's Walt's dad, dad is named Walter, so that's yeah. fun. Um, I'm glad that Last name, White. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> we got to cook. Um, so they leave along with two other people uh, who immediately engage in some backseat groping. Um, Which goes on for a long goes on car ride. Time. Uh including touching both people in the front seats. Yeah. One is inappropriate, but also very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a woman who starts touching the, the, uh, Walter, Walt, Lord, um, while he's driving. Um, but they make it home and I don't want to narrate over this part. So someone else do it. Yeah. So they make it back to Walt's house, specifically mm-hmm. the house of his dad, his famous screenwriter. Um, Walt goes off to do something. Um, the two degenerates are in the pool, a couple. Um, they, uh, <laughs> I don't want to narrate this part either. Um, she goes in the house, she looks around, she sees all the awards. She sees an Oscar or an Academy Award foreshadowing, you know, the award that she's, this is sort of her aspiration, right? Like this is the life that she wants. 
But that life may come at a cost if you're a woman in Hollywood, because she goes back out to the pool, at which point the man in the, the, the couple pulls her into the pool and then chases her. He begins to sexually assault her. Uh, and then Walt at first runs out and sort of pushes him away, but then he just kind of doesn't do anything. Um, yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, Walt, you're trying to help, and then he's just sitting there. He gets like, pushed like, away, and then he doesn't yeah. try again. Yeah. yeah. He goes, well, I used my one try. You know, that's all I'm allowed to do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I would it's say. It's disturbing. It's, it's also like extensive to both i i don't know if i would give that to the movie's credit but like it's very much like this is like a very traumatic traumatic event that happens it basically the only reason it gets diffused is because walter the the father the older screenwriter uh shows up but it's very much still an incredibly scarring incident Mm -hmm. um yeah and so then we i think we cut to and it's it's uh jerry at home uh and she's her mom has decided that she's recovered fully. Um, and then, wouldn't you know it, she's out on the swings, you know, just just vibing, just doing her thing on the swings, laughing by the bird pictures. Who is it? You have a visitor. What's that? Walter, the famous screenwriter, he's shown up. And it seems sort of, uh, uh, they have sort of an interesting dialogue before this where the mom, I think, is talking to, it might have been a lawyer, where she's basically like, look, that their families are all really rich. There's no way we can win a suit against them. They don't want their son to, you know, they don't want their good boys to go to jail, basically. But uh, yeah, so Walter shows up. He shows a big interest in Jerry's writing. Um, and that very quickly turns from a friendship. We should clarify, he's like 50 or 60 years old. Yeah, he's it's, like 30 years older than her. Exactly, yeah. So it's very clearly not a just an amicable friendship you know he he clearly wants something more but she kind of seems into it too although it's sort of a grooming situation right because she is at most like 22 years old yeah um, i kind of got the feeling maybe it was because he rescued her I, th- I think so yeah to him. well i also think it was because it was somebody who showed an interest in yeah, her right. writing and i think i think one of the things that this movie is trying to do and i guess you could argue whether or not successful but i i felt like it sort of made sense is that it it sort of focuses on uh, Hollywood, obviously, especially, but this is really true for a lot of situations of the level of like networking that's required. And it's mm-hmm. sort of basically taking advantage of whatever situation you happen to be in. So Jerry Lee as his screenwriter, like obviously having the attention from a Academy Award winning screenwriter, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's hard not to like cross those signals of like, this is a professional contact versus this is like somebody I like, especially right. at like that age. Um, so that's sort of, that sort of develops into a full on romance. Uh, they get married very quickly. Um, Which her mom is like, Don't do why that. are you getting married this quickly to a man 30 years older than you and dropping out of college. And she just, you know, drops out of college and moves away with him. Yeah. And she says, Walter can teach me more about screenwriting than Valley state ever could which is probably true. Um, but yeah, so that, that happens. I'm trying to remember what, what the next step. Um, it's just sort of like their married life for a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. which seems to be going relatively well for a while. And mm-hmm. he just writes some stuff has haphazardly, but hasn't actually had a screen play yet. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the one scene, I think, uh, so 
Right. They start working on a show or a movie. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Um, the, perhaps the one thing in this movie I thought was funny uh, comes from that situation where she's there for some reason. I'm not really sure what her job is supposed to be. Um, uh, on set, you mean? Yeah. She was just tagging along. I forget. They have some dialogue before it to explain okay. why. But, but so she gets a she gets a hold of the the, the, the screenplay. Uh, she she changes it up quite a bit um, by adding a single word uh, to it, uh, which really freaks out uh, Walter. And he's like, "Oh, how could you, you know, change my my beautiful beautiful screenplay?" Yeah, she changed like a really long speech from like a mother whose child had died to just saying why instead of this super long drawn out speech. Right. Which to a degree, sure, you know, that could be a possible change. Um, nothing wrong with just changing it to why. Uh, but he gets very upset at her. She feels very bad. Um, but eventually what some people, some other people read it and start liking it more than everybody ends up really liking it. Yeah. The actress is a big fan of it too. He, Mm -hmm. well, he doesn't take credit for it. People uh, praise him. He doesn't he, deny credit for he it. He doesn't deny credit, yeah. But um, the, the scene that is somewhat funny is the, the performance within the movie uh, where the, the, the sad mother uh, cries out why just over and over again by this tiny little set of a grave. And she's just like wailing why. And it's very overacted, mm-hmm. which may have been on purpose, but I thought it was very funny. I, I assumed it was on purpose. Yeah, yeah. But, but it, I, it got me. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up what happens immediately after that in response to it, which I very I thought was very funny. And also heavy-handed, but sort of the movie's point, mm-hmm. where the woman gets done wailing, and the two crew members off the side go, ah, glad that's over with, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. There, there's a lot of good like background uh, mm-hmm. character stuff in this. But uh, do they is the dinner scene after that where he gets upset or at dinner? It's sometime after. It all that. blends together. There's a yeah. lot of like sitting and eating scenes. Yeah, so they're sitting and eating as they often do. Oh, we missed a thing where they go to the movies, but that's probably not. Oh yeah, and there's that one quote from the producer or whatever where his girlfriend, which I think he has a wife, and he's just he's clearly he's just dating cheating. someone. Yeah. yeah, and she says, "quote." I wrote it down because I was like, ooh. She said, if I were born ugly, I'd kill myself. And he said, what do you mean if? I was like, ooh, that's rough. And he says, all right, come on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> let's go for the night. Yeah, it was uh, wild. There, there are a lot of, perhaps like what John said, a little heavy-handed, but what is what the movie's going for. Because mm-hmm. um, in that conversation, um, he essentially uh, tells uh, Jerry Lee, like, this is the friend of Walter. Uh, tells Jerry Lee, you can't really be a screenwriter or something. Mm-hmm. Like, women can't do that. Yeah. And she's like, what are you talking about? Gertrude Stein. Um, yeah, he's like, women can't write dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, and then and he, he's stuff. like, they're eggheads or something like that. <laughs> she says they're eggheads, or he says they're eggheads. And she's like, yeah. you're just invalidating. <laughs> you can't just say they're eggheads. And then the conversation just sort of moves off topic. Moves to him insulting his girlfriend. <laughs> him insulting his girlfriend. Uh, I actually very much like that scene, but... uh Anyway, I don't know. There are a lot of scenes that just sort of happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily need to go over them with like super detail yeah, if we don't yeah, yeah. want to. We can but, sort of uh, cruise through it. Just quickly, there's a there's an eating scene where 
she meets this other guy. She's with her husband and some other dudes, and she meets this guy. And they do the little, you know, like he takes her hand and smooches it, you know, uh, which the husband then like leers at from the back. Um, he does one of those, yeah. Um, they get in a big argument to the point that even um, the dude who's cheating on his wife is like, calm down, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, then that just cascades more, the argument when they get home, yeah, right? The goes worse uh, to a scene that is meant to be serious, and I didn't laugh at it, but I thought the writing of it was pretty poor, where he essentially uh, says she only gets enjoyment. She, he implies that she got enjoyment from her sexual assault by holding up a garden hose. Um, I just thought that scene was written poorly, but, you know, again, gets the point across that this guy's kind of a jerk. Um, mm-hmm. And that pretty much fizzles into their divorce. Uh, then she dates that actor who um, came up at that dinner scene, the one who Walter was mad about. They start having an affair. Then some time passes. She's still writing. I think she gets two short stories published or something like yeah, that. She does pretty well. Like She gets some pretty well-received books out. Yeah, mm-hmm. then she ends up finding out she's pregnant, tells him, and he and she's like, hey, I'm pregnant, and, you know, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, and he's like, what do you want me to do about that? So, he's a jerk, too. Yeah. Then she gets an abortion, talks to her mom. Her mom has no idea what has happened in her life, thinks she's still married to Walter. Mm-hmm. And then after that, she goes to that club, right? There's just a lot that happens. There, there's a lot that happens. I don't really. It's sort of a. Oh. Well, I just kind of got confused once it got to the club, because there's like a thing that happens with two different groups of people, but it's the exact same thing. Like she's exploited in the same way, but it's with mm. just you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to think that women in Hollywood can't catch a break. <laughs> I don't understand why you would think that, John. Did you not watch the movie? She wins an <laughs> award. She had to pull herself up by her bootstraps. Yeah. Uh, after she takes them off, of course. But so, yeah, she's just exploited. I don't know if we really need to get into a bunch of detail. Uh, people that she thinks would never do it, exploit her. Um, maybe we just jump to the end. Do you think that? Yeah. 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 Pretty much everyone does. And then she has that mental breakdown. Oh, I, that's. I would, I would specifically, I would do, I would mention one point specifically, which is. Okay. I don't remember this. I think this is immediately preceding the mental breakdown, but the, the one person that she's talking to and she's like, I've, I've been working on my script. Like I, like I have the, the, the screenplay that I really think is going to do really well. Like I've like really put my heart and soul into this, would you please read it? And the whole time, like she's like, she keeps going to all these meetings and keeps insisting like, like, please like just read my work. And like, if it's good, like try to get it published, you know, or try to get it made into a movie. And repeatedly, like she keeps bringing to all these different men in power and they're like, ah, we should read it over drinks tonight, you know, like that kind of stuff. And then, so the one person I think she had like the most confidence in, um, she, she comes into some room and he's just, he's just in that room, uh, in like a hot tub or something naked on drugs with these two other women who are also naked. And he's just like, he hasn't even looked at her script. So she just well, takes it. This was also after he had sent her to the person who he said was going to publish it or whatever, produce it. Mm. And they 
you know, said, well, you got to have sex with us for all this. And then when she left, she said, oh, what about my script? And the guy's like, what script? Implying they were never going to make it. The guy yeah. was just, you know, leading her along about it. So, yeah. She has her... Uh, she, stuff. Essentially after that, uh, this is important to note, she has uh, understandably uh, sort of like a... I don't know what you would call it. Um, she sort of spirals. Um, there's a scene... She's trying to cope. Yeah. She's trying to cope. Yeah. Um, so she, you know, she she's she breaks stuff. Um, she hallucinates or something. I think the doctor says that later. But she sees like all of the people that have like wronged her throughout the movie. Like all their faces are in front of her. Yeah. I thought that scene. I get what they were showing, but I thought the way they shot it was just really poor. With it's a really it's a really it's bad really it's a really bad 1980s like superimpose of little cutout heads yeah. just yeah. floating around the screen, but it's not like built into the. It just feels like it's put mm-hmm. over top of it. It's just happening like clutter. Um, I think if I just saw a clip of it alone without context, I would very much laugh at it. But with context, you're just sort of sobered up to like, well, this sucks. Yeah. Also, yeah. I think out of context that that scene looks like a like a like a YouTube poop edit because of the way that these things are spinning and spiraling. It looks like somebody went through and added like, like Windows Movie Maker effects that they just had on hand. Um, it was like, just make it spin. Um, but yeah, yeah. With, with context, it's, uh, yeah, it, a little more harrowing. Yeah. So that scene was actually like, the directors wanted to cut the entire breakdown scene mm-hmm. because it was just so crazy. And the guy who helps choose and run the Razzies Mm -hmm. was doing their trailer edits and saw the scene and was like, no, y'all should keep it. This is really important. And the only reason he like convinced them to keep it was so that he could use the breakdown scene um, in the Razzies when it gets nominated for worst picture. Like as a hero. So that's the only reason that exists in the movie that directors wanted it out. And he was like, no, it'll make good promotional stuff. And like in the trailer, there's several scenes where she's, you know, throwing the books off the shelf or like in the shower doing, you know, just freaking out. Like he puts it in the trailer, but he only wanted it in there so that he could use that scene for the, the Razzie reel. Uh, what happened? Following that, she's in like a weird coma thing yeah she's sort of gone catatonic which i again think was overplayed but it's hard to really laugh at it or anything um perhaps what they're going for um she only gets out when guy jackson uh the famous movie person director from the the beginning who was at when she got the award uh from high school college whatever um he shows up and is like, oh, we got to do this or whatever. And so she really comes out of it. Uh, that goes on for a while. Then the film sort of cut weird. And I don't know if it was just what I was watching, but I think it implied that Guy Jackson and his wife again tried to mess with her. That That is what happened. So it's like, okay. she's. It, you feel like she's gone through the dark night of the soul. And it's like, all right, she's like had the breakdown she's like coming back finally she finds the one person that's going to help her and actually get the movie made you know get us to where we were talking about um you know at the very beginning with this bookend narrative but no uh he too is also trying to arrange a situation for her to have sex not with him in this case i believe with his wife 
Mm. Um, so I think he's, he's, he's bearding for her in, in some capacity. I don't know what the, the flip of that would be. Um, but he's in you, a you get the idea. Like camera. What? He's in the closet with like a camera. He's a voyeur, maybe. Mm. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's what happens. I don't think that, I don't think that actually, uh, does that occur? I guess I, it's, it's cut. I guess it implies that it does happen. Yeah. So just like, um, cause she does get the screen. Yeah. It, yeah. It comes I think it's finish. basically framed as you have to do this yeah. if you want to get your work seen in your movie made. So. so yeah, it gets made. She wins an award. It was on stage and it's pretty much like, yeah, this was how it happened. Mm-hmm. You had to sleep your way to get it made. It really sucks. And then she walks off stage after giving She a basically calls out the, the specific yeah. people in the audience that have wronged her. I want to um, ask yeah. you guys about that because I thought half of that speech was pr- like pretty pressing, pretty good. And I thought the line she had about self-respect was kind of weird because I never thought the issue was that she didn't res- – she has a line where she basically says uh, to her husband who's in the audience – I never learned self-respect or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah, I was but, assuming it was calling back to something I forgot. It's calling back. She has a whole conversation with him uh, okay. where she's talking about how he doesn't have self-respect. Um, so I forget exactly how it's framed. It was mm-hmm. it was done with the time. Well, I just I thought, pay a lot of attention. Yeah, maybe I just missed that. But scene. It, it was a callback. It wasn't, it gotcha. wasn't new. Well, um, I was just confused because it's like, it didn't seem like the issue was ever her having self-respect. It's that other people were... It, it wasn't. I think. I think it was more like they were gaslighting it to frame it as like okay. this is your know, you problem. Like you just don't have the self respect right. to make it in Hollywood. Like you have to sleep around because there's also like another female character where she's sort of trying to mentor, right. and that that character, that woman, is like she's like I just like want to be recognized for my work. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but the only way I can do it is to is I'm supposed to sleep with like this manager guy, like this executive, um, and generally like tries to go and talk to him and just be like hey no she's really talented like mm-hmm. like she's a woman like like just let her like succeed on her merit here like just read it you know and if it's good it's mm-hmm. good um and, and it doesn't happen so that, i think that's sort of what it's calling back to of like uh it, they're sort of held to this impossible standard that they, they have to basically um they're forced to sleep with these executives and stuff to get into the industry but then they're sort of decried for doing that um so okay that was that was my understanding of it um i would say pretty pretty effective honestly pretty yeah. good ending yeah um and so that that sort of culminates she refuses to accept the award she walks out of the uh, the auditorium um uh, as wikipedia puts it with her newfound dignity so that is that is a summation of the lonely lady it's <sighs> a lot uh it was the most serious film we've had uh, by far <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that makes it sort of a different beast to sort of criticize because mm-hmm. i think with something as silly and insane like manos or they saved hitler's brain or something like that it's a much easier you know to right. laugh about that and there are plenty of bad hokey silly moments in this movie that but with the context of this is especially it's it's too real especially in the wake of like like a, the me too Harvey movement and all this stuff we're like we're very aware that these things are is incredible. Like this is incredibly real, and this was a lot of people's situation, a lot of women's situations. Um, so I think it. I, I'm curious how it would be received now, mm-hmm. and I'm. I would 
be very interested to step back in time 40 years because obviously while like we had all this me too movie, like i'm sure it was well known like obviously it wasn't a secret like they made this movie about this industry where yeah. it's still having to continue to happen so i i'm i'm interested why maybe it got the cried in the way that it did so like mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a story about like at the Rassy screening just like like just people just laughing constantly at this movie which i i get in one sense but i think i can't imagine it having the same response today mm-hmm. um, that it did that that 40 years ago like yeah i think it's really bad but it feels weird laughing at it because of the content and it's not really even when it's really bad it's not somewhere i'm like oh that's really funny as mm-hmm. in some of the other ones yeah exactly i think a lot of the like for me i think it was where i could see where it could be like with as bad as a reception as it got when it came out was like the acting wasn't necessarily like great oh yeah, yeah. like like the the lead actress like actually said like when the movie wrapped, I was writing my Razzie acceptance speech. <laughs> like, so like she knew it was bad, but I think she's a I think you, if you were to like release this movie now, it would have a completely different, mm-hmm. I think people mm-hmm. would actually sit back and think of it as like, Oh, this is a great movie and tackles a great content. There's just a little bit of acting issues, but like, yeah. you know, one of the reviews that I watched, like the dude laughed through the whole thing through his entire review like this is ridiculous and stupid and horrible why would you and just like kind of made fun of a lot of things and i'm like maybe you shouldn't be making fun of that but yeah it's kind of the way that some of those things are handled through acting mm -hmm. yeah i I feel if it was rewritten and reacted i think it had the potential to be like actually good but yeah they had everything there but just like little things like when they have that art when they have like their last argument Mm -hmm in the yard and like she walks up to Walt and she's like, Walter, are you coming to bed? But it's like the middle of the day. Like that was just like really small. That I was like, what, like what's going on? Like didn't even like, like a very small thing that could have been fixed, but like. It's like a manos. It's getting dark outside. Yeah. It's really, it's middle of the day. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like there's just little things that make it bad. But, like, you change the content, you change some of the acting, and you have a potentially very good movie with a genuine message. Yeah. Well, like, think about, like, Bombshell came out this year, right? That's, like, basically this Mm -hmm. movie, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't. I've been meaning to watch this on my watch list. But uh, it's that's the exact same concept. So, yeah. Yeah, it definitely colors it very, very significantly, as it should. Um, You know. But uh, do we want to switch gears a little bit? Eli, you and I, I believe, have some trivia prepared that I think we would like to share the knowledge and spread the wealth with the boys. Would you like to hit us with the first question? I'll hit the second. You can do, I think sure. we have four total, right? Uh, you have two, I have, I have two. You have two? Yeah. Four? You have, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the first question on tonight's trivia time, that's what we're calling it. I just pinned it. Uh, Make sure it's... Yes, that. Uh, which Razzie did the lonely lady not win? Oh, right. So we're all familiar with the Razzies. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little organization that likes to dedicate some time to some of the worst films of the year, baby. Yeah. Uh, this film 
won some Razzies. So again, which Razzie did it not win? A, worst actress. B, worst original song. C, worst director. D, worst new star. Or E, worst screenplay. I'm going to say worst new star. I'm going to say worst director. Interesting. It can't be screenplay. This was about a screenplay. I'm going that with worst. New, I'm going with worst new star because I don't actually know which one it is because you made really? up that list. Okay, the answer coming up when I search it because I forgot. John, you fool! Uh, I know that they. I know that they won worst picture. Mm-hmm. I would assume it's not. I would assume what else they won because they won a lot. I don't think it could be worst new star because she. Well, maybe that spoils. I don't know if we. I don't remember if we made a question about this or not. Um, I didn't. But she she had a previous Razzie appearance where she also won, was in a worst picture of the year the previous year called Butterfly. So I don't imagine that she could also still be the worst new star. Well. It's that she wasn't made a star from that one. This one she could have been, but mm. it was the worst both times. <laughs> so, what were your answers? I figured it out. I said director. I said new star. I said what Tanner said. He did not win worst new star. Yeah. He did win. The process of worst induction. Worst actor won all of the Worst director, worst screenplay. Uh I believe also it won worst act. I already said actress. Um, worst musical score. That was the other one. I, I, it would have been very funny and kind of fitting if it did not win worst director because it was because it was directed by a man. And I would appreciate it's like, and even in this movie, we are going to throw it all. It was the actress all the way. Yep. <laughs> The director was not to blame for this travesty. <laughs> it's just totally independent. I don't know how that happened. Uh, so I'm glad. I'm glad they shared the wealth of their right. responsibility because it was a group effort to, you know, movies such a collaborative process. So I hear. Um, <laughs> not that I'd ever make one. How many did it win? How many was that? It was nominated for eleven, and it won six. And there are only ten categories. <laughs> These are all true facts. How that works, I never found out. All right. I've got a question, boys. And this is a simple, yeah, yeah, yeah. a simple true false. But okay. I, I told you before this started. I told you before this started that I did a little sleuthing. Um, I went a little crazy with it. Yeah, so yeah. Paisadara is the lead actress in the movie. She she is Geraldine Randall. Mm-hmm. Uh however, in a seldom read Vice article from 2005. This is a true or false. Piazadara is credited with unintentionally helping kickstart the incel community. True or false? True. It's too crazy to be false. I don't know. <laughs> Either way you answer, it'll be interesting. You got a I'm gonna go with chance. true because I kind of agree with Kylan. Like, 
I don't know how you pull that out of thin air. No way this came from John's mind. I know his mind. <laughs> well, Kylan, you may not John's know my not mind as, as much as you think no. because it is false. But I just thought the idea would be very funny. Um, <laughs> I said, I'm just going to go with something outlandish. <laughs> I, I will say it's slightly inspired, um, I will say, from a, a radio story I heard forever ago about a woman who was a medical student at the time who did unintentionally help kickstart the incel community when she was trying to create a community for these these nerd boys who didn't know how to communicate with people and she was trying to like help them through their issues, but they accidentally just got more toxic and then spiraled out of control. Really? Uh, so there's maybe a grain of truth in there, but it was not Piazadara to the best of my knowledge. Are you sure it wasn't Pia? Is, is it Pia or Pia? I don't know how to. I don't yeah, know. I think it's yeah, Pia. Pia, Pia. Gotcha. But anyways, that was my that was my first trivia. Back to you, Eli. <clears throat> so as we all know, the Lonely Lady is based on a book. Yeah. A book written by an author. That author's name, Harold Robbins. Now Harold Robbins, the author, was famous for something. What? was Harold Robbins famous for? Being was related it? to Tim Robbins. 100%. Uh, a, was it A, creating the World Wide Web? Was it B, running the slowest marathon recorded? Was it C, selling 750 million copies of books? D, hitting a rare triple ollie on his skateboard? Or E, being Barney the Dinosaur in four different Barney productions. It can't be the books. I'm going with Barney. I'm going with Barney. Okay. <laughs> going with Barney. I'm going to go slowest marathon. <laughs> An excellent choice with how, the, with how the film progressed. Pretty good pace. That was very um, fair. The answer is C. He sold 750 million copies. See, that just seemed too easy. <laughs> like the highest or best-selling book authors of all time. Which is and yet, insane. everything I read about him said he's a terrible author, so I don't really understand that. I've never read any of You just his... gotta keep writing. He's an I get maybe writer. he wrote a lot. I don't know, but... Bible so, plans, shred him on the other side. I read that they showed him an early cut of the movie, and he slept through most of it. <laughs> <laughs> and when they finished, they're like, so what do you think? And he was like... This is garbage. I hate this. And never saw the finished movie. That is a That's mad power play. Sort of like a, a Stephen King won't, won't watch his own work, right? Adapted? Somebody like it's a very, uh, I think it's sort he's of an author thing. some of them. But gotcha. Maybe he avoids it. Maybe, I miss, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. He, he watched The Mist and said that the movie ending was better than his mm, book gotcha. ending. I may be thinking of George Lucas movie. then. Possible. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> is, I don't know. Famous author George Lucas. <laughs> Famously has not seen Star Wars. <laughs> um, okay, guys, this is a little bit. I got a preamble, and it's a two-part true/false question, but oh. you'll, you'll you'll pick up quickly. Um, so, Paisadara, she won best the Golden Raspberry for worst actress that year for The Lonely Lady. She also won worst actress for her appearance in Butterfly the year before, which are back-to-back um, Razzie Worst Picture winners. She might not actually have won Worst Actress before, but I know for sure that it would back-to-back Worst Picture. Um, so either way, she was a lead. She was sort of at the helm of these things. So that sort of tanked 
commercially, a lot of her productions, a lot of her productions were actually bankrolled by her then billionaire husband who just wanted to make his wife into a successful actress, which I mean, fair enough. If you got money, try to use it. Uh, but so since then, Pai Zadara has moved on to other ventures. Uh, she's trying to find a different niche audience, you know, different mediums, maybe not films, but so you can actually check out um, this is maybe a little un, on the underground, but you can check out some of Pai Zadara's music, or at least some of her audio adventures on a little music streaming platform called Spotify. Now, I also know an artist, a collective perhaps, that also have a presence on Spotify. So I want you to tell me whether Pai Zadara or No Exercise for Men's, the Zero Oscars podcast, has a larger listening base on Spotify. Is it Pi Zadara or is it Spotify? And that's monthly listeners. It's gotta be no exercise for me. I mean, for the most popular podcast in the, you know, where I am right now. Literally <laughs> so in this room. Every, <laughs> three of the four people I know right now who don't include myself <laughs> know about the podcast. Tanner, what's your answer? Does Pi Zadara have a bigger monthly listener count on Spotify, or does it No Exercises for Men's, the Zero Oscars podcast? I want to say No Exercise for Men, but I'm just going to go opposite to see what happens and say it's Pi Zadara. That's very fair. Uh, Tanner, you made the correct gamble there. Uh, Pi Zadara has about 480,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And I we have 470? <laughs> I, I think we might have one uh yes. that's what anchor tells me is that one person listens to the, this podcast which is exciting it might um, be me it's just you know it's just us i is it bad that i listen to our podcast and i go that's pretty funny um yeah. <laughs> uh okay but the follow-up the follow-up so pi zadara also has a youtube channel she just released a new music video uh i believe it's uh, what is it called? I, I already exited out of it. But she just released her new music video for her new hit single. Um, it's really popping on the YouTube charts. Um, and I was, I'm impressed because everybody's got a YouTube channel now, right? Uh, so it's the same question. Uh, who has more subscribers on YouTube? Is it Pai Zadara releasing her music videos and all her content? Or is it No Exercise for Men releasing podcasts and award-winning short films? Well, I am humble. So us. Fair enough. Tanner? Cheerly off the Spotify numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, well, no, see, I was in a No Exercise for Men production. That's so true. But if you and play your cards right, you can end up home, in a Pi Zadara film. Yes, I was in both. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with No Exercise for Men. Very good, boys. Yep. It's true. No Exercise for Men has more subscribers yes. on YouTube than Pai Zadara. She has 28 <laughs> currently, which I don't understand because yeah. if you have 480,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, surely a few of them have found your channel and clicked it just by accident. No. Like, how does that happen? But yeah, I just, I just wanted to drop that off and share that. So uh, now you know. She may be beating us on the audio track, but we sort of got her on the video platform. So, you know, it's a real fisticuffs back and forth. Matters. It really is, yeah. And if she wants to work together and collab, we're willing to share our resources. 
Pia, we have 44 subscribers and I currently checked and only 43 of those are alternate accounts that Eli made to try to boost our numbers. So, you know, reach out to us. We'll be in touch. We'll give you half of our subscribers. If you give half of your monthly listeners, I think that's fair. So, you know, we can come to agreement, have your people reach out to our people. So, um, let me, I think that's probably decent on the trivia. Let me check and see if there was anything else. I have I have two little bits of trivia. Oh yeah, hit us with some tidbits. Okay, so one, this is just a little actor thing. Uh, so Walter, mm-hmm. may, you may have seen that character. He was in the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, he was. He's played by a man named Lloyd Bachner. <laughs> they always are. Um, I just a real quick cut in. Don't understand why the name Lloyd has two L's, but we'll move on. Um, <laughs> who it's was? A hot take. These are these. This has been an Eli hot take. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, Eli, but, you're going to turn all the Lloyds off of our podcast. No, not all the Lloyds. <laughs> That's half our viewers. <laughs> why do you only Eli, why we do you need the Lloyds? We're down to half a viewer now. <laughs> but um, you may know, and by may, I mean you don't, because uh, I had to find out this through Wikipedia, but Lloyd Bachner, also known as Walter in the film, was the main character in the Twilight Zone episode, To Serve Man. He is the guy that says it's a cookbook. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Which, yeah, that's pretty good. That's um, a good episode. That is a good episode, but a little fact there. I don't know what went wrong in his career, but here he is. Uh, in second, a rough cut of this film was shown to an audience, like a test audience, and it got laughed at throughout. We've, we've talked about this, you know, earlier. Uh, so the editorial staff at Universal Pictures was like, we got to fix this. They're laughing at our movie. So they cut, cut, cut. They cut all these scenes out. And by the time they had cut out everything that the audiences had laughed at, they had 45 minutes of the movie left. <laughs> and, out of an hour and a half. So that's yeah. almost exactly half of the movie they would have had to remove. So then they said, well, I guess we got to put that back. And they just restored the film. They couple of quick keystrokes and the film was back to its former glory uh of sorts of sorts yes uh that's all the interesting stuff i have i i have one interesting tidbit there are there are a lot of good imdb trivia posts on this i'm sure none of them are real but who cares um i so paisadara without hustling to promote this movie you know i get she knew that it was going to be bad but she's a trooper and she's like look we got to do what we got to do um, so in response to her relentless promotion of the movie, bankrolled by her billionaire husband, uh, counter protest t-shirts, this is a, a concept we're all familiar with in our current day and age, counter protest t-shirts were manufactured reading uh, in a, they basically did a Zero Oscars trivia question on a t-shirt in 1983. And it, it just says on the front, Paisadara is A, beautiful, B, talented c self-supporting or d none of the above and this was meant to protest her acting ability (laughs) and i guess her talent and also i guess her beauty which i think i I think she's attractive uh so Mm -hmm. i so the weird jab but you know i appreciate the spirit of it you know they were a righteous takedown they saw with the with the multiple choice t-shirt design yeah i respect a multiple choice t-shirt design because you could have picked one of those Mm-hmm. you know you could have meant it so maybe i'm 
cynical for thinking they would have picked none of the above. Yeah, yeah. It they also seems a survey. It seems like that's a bad idea because people aren't going to read the entire shirt. They'll just look and see, oh, you're complimenting her and keep yeah. walking. The folds of my belly <laughs> cut off the crucial <laughs> part that really delivers a zinger. Supposedly, she snuck into the Razzie screening mm-hmm. and just listened along as this audience just howled at this movie and just tore it apart. Um, apparently, the audience felt bad when they found out one person came up to apologize to her, but I suspect that that apology probably didn't mean a lot because he was wearing the t-shirt in question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, I love that the hate is with her and not the person who decided, you yeah. know, what the film was going to be. It's so true. It's with the actress I who just think, read the lines. Always. Yeah. I do think that is an interesting phenomenon that I, especially the more I learned about like how incredibly collaborative like a movie is mm-hmm. it feels like I, I i have a hard time pinning blame even on like a director like on any really just one person to be like you were the reason that this is bad yeah this and, has been but, a thing yeah to bring up a current situation uh kylan may know about this uh i can actually think of two so the woman who played in in star wars uh the woman who played rose rose yeah yeah oh, she, she did so much heat yeah for no reason she had nothing to do with how this movie was made. She was just like, I get to be in a Star Wars movie? Yeah, she's like, that's cool. Which yeah. could have been anyone. Um, she was look, supposed they to say me, no because it ruined my dream. Yeah, it's look, not Star Wars vision. If they ask me to be in a Star Wars movie, I'm a horrible actor. You they all said, you're going to be the trash ruin. I, said, I would there. do it. They <laughs> said, oh yeah, we're going to shoot your corpse 20 times. Do it, I'll do it. <laughs> Why, I'll sign. I'll that sign. Part? I'll just close my body to science. <laughs> but uh, and then another one, a lot more recent for for those gamers out there, is uh, with The Last of Us Two coming yes. out. Yes. Oh, Not yeah. that I've played this game, but I have. It's and very I don't good. Want to spoil it because it did just come out. But there's a character in there that got a ton of hate. Or, the voice actress Laura Bailey. The voice actress has gotten a ton of hate, and it's just like what? Which is she's insane. On, yeah, yeah, she's on critical role. She seems like a super nice These gamers person. are too stupid to understand the character is not the actor. Yeah. And the actor she is was, not responsible for the content that the character does or says. She was given lines and read them and did a really good job. She's a good voice actress. And then gets death threats because people didn't like it. It's like, what are you... We need to cancel to gamers. Time, I guess. Okay, I'm changing the focus of the show. Okay. There's no more gamers. We're out. This is my anti-gamer no. podcast episode. Eight. We have a gamer majority. <laughs> a gamer super majority has been established. I'm going to start banning myself from playing Dota. Yeah. Um, it's an act of self-help, actually. Uh, anyways, so um, trivia. I think we annihilated it. Yeah. Um, do we want to do changes? Uh, I sure. yeah. But I don't want to go first because I, I don't. I'll be honest, boys. Uh, my my wheels are spinning. Uh, I also don't want to go first. If someone has a vision that they would like to to change to improve this movie, um, uh, or I guess I don't have like a funny one, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gosh, it is tough. I don't want to do something ridiculous like when I say put Gilbert Gottfried and stuff or. Torgo because it's a serious movie. Why not Torgo? <laughs> That's a good point. Torgo is part of the problem. He has a cameo in every scene. He's just sort of sauntering in the background. 
No, Torgo should just play a character where he's the director that actually gives her a chance with no strings attached. <laughs> oh, he's the fifth he's one at the good end. Person yeah. Is Torgo. Yes. yeah. He goes Torgo makes a face turn. I would like that in that sort of that same vein. So we go through all this work and her screenplay, she wins the award. What mm-hmm. is the what is the screenplay? It is Manos the Hands of Fate. Yes. In this universe, it's a great film. <laughs> Or or she writes a uh, Manos Hands of Fate two fan fiction uh, that is ent- entirely yeah. Torgo centered, and the Academy yes. loves it. <laughs> Everyone, it's what everyone's been craving. Oh man, um, I think if I were to make a change, even if it was just for a split second, I would want a character that would give her a hug. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, that's fair. But only that's if she good. wanted a hug. A supportive hug. A supportive hug. Because a doctor does semi-hug her, but it's a very rough hug, and it doesn't look like anyone's enjoying it. So, Yeah, because he's trying to restrain her while she's, like, having a, I guess, a panic attack. Which he's a doctor, and I, I mean, I don't know what I would do in that situation, but it's very, he goes in for that. Well, I think he was, like, trying to hold her back from falling. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. it, it's like, it was like a, it's like when someone is experiencing a seizure, and you're trying to, like, you have to, yeah. hold their like hold their neck back or something i don't totally I understand to i'm not actually qualified under for this. them i don't know yeah we should look that up i should look that up i'm i think i've done this in the past and i've forgotten but i really should know that if we ever have That's rachel on the thing. podcast we ask her yeah <laughs> or emily oh yeah oh, yeah that, that i think that's the original reason why yeah but uh but yeah that that sort of reminds me of a little thing I saw on Twitter today mm-hmm. where it was like, it was just someone Googled how many hugs do you need a day? <laughs> and it was like, is like on average, you need about eight hugs a day to maintain stability and about 12 for growth. And they're like, that may seem like a high number, but we figure it probably won't hurt, <laughs> which I do like. Okay. Well, yes. Uh, I, I'll go for the hug and as bonus points, if someone can make it happen. I want it to be from her mother, and then they talk. <laughs> mm. Because that was, I get why it didn't happen, uh, but I really wanted the mom to know what was going on in her daughter's life the whole time. Oh, that, that is a good point. We don't really get reconcil- reconciliation there. Yeah, I think the last time we see the mom is when she's entered the catatonic state or whatever mm. it was. She comes to check on her, which is good, but she's basically like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I would have, at the beginning, I would have Walt try to help her a little bit more, or at least, if you're going to have him try and then not be able to, have him get, like, actually hurt to where he can't do anything. What happens to him after? He's just out of the movie. He went to Europe, I think. Uh I think his dad said he got sent to Europe. Yeah, he said he went to England with his mom. Yeah. But, yeah, you could still send him to England, but it's just... Maybe have there be a reason why he stops and just sits there. Like, maybe he gets beat up pretty bad or something. It just felt odd that he's just sitting there the whole time Mm -hmm. when he tried to help at first. Tanner? I mean, kind of hit my main problem. I don't know. I I notice, like, small little minute details and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I think I would I would change how it began. Because I get the bookend narrative, but like it doesn't really explain anything. Also, like I said, catch small things. 
there was one couple that entered the award ceremony three times. They just looped the film. <laughs> and like, it wasn't like in the background. There were two shots where they were a prominent couple. It's like you've literally reused this footage. I don't I think the like that just the whole beginning kind of set me in like a bad position for the movie because I was like, what is this? This makes no sense. And then which yes, the movie explains what happens, which is kind of like I feel like you could have done that mm-hmm. a little better. Yeah. I feel like Tanner, change it or cut it. I have a proposed change on how to fix that. Okay, so we have this this ADR footage of the newscaster where a Jerry is walking in and they're saying, oh, she doesn't have an escort. She must be a nobody. Um, we do a same sort of voiceover with this three sets of repeated footage, but we just say, it's the newscaster that is saying, ah, it's the two sets of identical triplets who have... <laughs> that, would, that, would win, that would win Best Picture. <laughs> It's very convenient that they uh, decided to pair off in the way that they did. Gosh, what a, they really are the talk of the town. <laughs> That'd be perfect. All right, boys. Uh, what's a superlative that you have for the the lady, the lonely lady? I have one. Okay. Most yes. uncomfortable shower. <laughs> if she showers with her clothes on, it looks yeah. very uncomfortable. Even more uncomfortable than Chucky. <laughs> that's uncomfortable for me oh for her okay yeah yeah for her i'm talking about her okay uh i have a superlative okay if i may that is sort of going off of what we just talked about but i would say best use of understated world building to imply that in this universe there are two pairs of identical triplets who have paired off and I've all seen success in Hollywood. That's my story. That should have been what the movie was. <laughs> I like the movie that's focusing on that. That's the sequel. Yes. Um, I'm going to go with... Set, it's the two sets of triplets that give her her big break. Yeah. Goodness. I'm going to go with best use of what I can only presume to be a screenplay about two lovers post-Vietnam, because she said it at one point earlier in the film, but never is confirmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Best use of that, honestly, mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And for you, did you already give it a superlative, Tanner? I have not. I'm trying to think of one. Gotcha. It can be anything. Just just picking out something this movie did that you think it did better than any other movie. Best use of repeat footage in an <laughs> opening sequence. Okay. That is such a good meta superlative as well. Yes. I really appreciate it. <laughs> One that will probably come up on this series again, though. <laughs> I hope so. Probably. Um, all right, boys. So our closing questions, as always, do you think this movie deserved a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes? And if not, what score do you think it deserves? I do not think it deserves a 0% solely because with some of these other films, they're sort of like, uh, it's a movie. This one that like tried to have a message, even if I think 
personally, it's I think it's one of the worst we've seen just because I thought I thought the pacing was terrible. Mm-hmm. But I would say it did not deserve a zero percent just because of, it was trying to have mm-hmm. say something. And then out of ten, I'd probably give it two out of ten. I, w- I would probably go in a similar vein. the The pacing was awful, um, but there were moments that were like really effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, made me feel very uncomfortable, very sad for mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Lee. Uh, I'd say it doesn't deserve a zero. I'd give it like a three, two and a half. In that range, I think I agree with that. I wouldn't give it a. I wouldn't give it a zero. I think it deserves that. I. I mean, I get the, the pacing's bad. The acting could be a little better. There, there. It's just like, but it's not like giant glaring issues. It's like a bunch of small things that all come together to form mm-hmm. kind of a like a bigger problem with the movie, but. I definitely think it deserves a zero percent, and like out of ten, I'd probably give it about a. I I would give it about a four. I think that's fair. <laughs> uh, did you have a quick comment, Eli, before I give mine? Uh, I keep going back and forth on this movie, uh, honestly. So I don't know. I was just thinking. I know I said three, but I don't really know. I go back and forth from it being like pretty bad, but at least it had a good message. Mm-hmm. it's still not good but i don't know i'm gonna give it the range of three to five okay Some yeah call that four that's, even. no because <laughs> that's too concrete four <laughs> all right well i don't think it deserved a zero percent and i think it, it's a strange way to categorize it because i didn't enjoy this movie but mm-hmm. yeah. that had a lot to do with the subject matter um and like you guys said it did have a message i think it made it pretty effectively yeah. um I think so would call it heavy handed, but I also understand that there's probably, there's a reason it's heavy handed. And the reason is that it's a rampant thing that has happened and continues to happen. And so it feeling over top, it, it never really reached the point of feeling over the top for me in the way that I expected it to be based on the description and its status on this list, just because all these things individually are things that have definitely happened to women and uh, continue to happen and are serious and it's not always uh, a, a clear-cut like dramatic response you know mm-hmm. so I, I i thought it did that quite well um i'm sure there are things that could do better so i would probably give it I, I think a four four and a half is fair so. i think if it was remade with like obviously rewriting a bunch of the dialogue and stuff and in light of you know the me too and the harvey weinstein and all that mm-hmm. i think if it was remade it could be remade to where it would be an actually good movie it's mm-hmm. just it doesn't, need, it doesn't need much. The elements the are there, there. It's just the execution. John, I have a question. Yes, what is your question? Did this film break your streak of you liking the most recent film the most? Because I know you said you didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it, right. and I don't know how to categorize it in this list. Exactly. So, okay. maybe. Okay. It's I put a question mark over it. I wouldn't say I did. I wouldn't say it didn't. I would say I appreciated it and I didn't think it was terrible. But I don't know how to categorize it in respect to the other films I've watched. This is this has definitely been a a new one for us. It's a mm-hmm. new yeah. movie that we've watched. Uh, 
I hope there aren't more of these. Although, yeah. I'm, although one, I'm sure there will be. Yeah. And two, it had a good message. Also, so. next, it seems like I, I don't know what the content of next week's is, but I'm suspecting we may get something nearer to that. I don't know. Yeah. It could either be it this could. or the antithesis. We'll see. It could either be this or Fifty Shades Grey. Yeah. This, yeah. this also, this I think is a good example of, I think we set up to watch 70 wacky, hilariously mm-hmm. bad movies. And, and this is sort bad. of a, this is a movie that does not really fit that category of like, oh, it's hilariously bad, you know. Uh, really? So there's been very few that have reached yeah, that yeah, expectation. Yeah. I was expecting some super corny, low budget, pot zombies type mm-hmm. movies, and they've not been that. Yeah, where are they at? I wonder if the issue with that is that those movies aren't even they don't at. get reviewed. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, which is sad because they're probably. Pot zombies is probably worse than some of, than these, but <laughs> but what about pot zombies too? More pot, less plot. <laughs> That's a movie. I've not seen it, but it exists. That's amazing. We need to get I have uh, a desire to watch this. We need to get World War C or whatever that <laughs> your film is, Kyle. We need to oh, get yeah. that World onto War Rotten C. Tomatoes. We'll get we'll get it there. The movie when where Britain you can, the movie where you can see. Kyle Wolfenbarger get hit in the head with a trash can, I believe. Oh, yeah. You also see me slide back and hit my head on a cabinet. It's if Britton Jackson ever makes, makes uh, becomes famous in filmmaking, you could, it'll, you could really it'll come see back the, up. You really could see the early elements of Jackson's style. <laughs> we need to do a special episode if we ever get Britton on the podcast and we yes. need to watch, rewatch yes. World War C and talk about it with him. Maybe a director's commentary. I know I wasn't a director, but I want to commentate on it, so... I think it'd be a good time. All right. What, Kyle, what is the movie we have up next? So it is called Bolero from 1984, and it is a romantic drama starring Bo Derek. So all I have written in our spreadsheet of the 75 movies is it originally received an X rating, and the directors wanted even more explicit sex. Jeez. This well, will probably be uncomfortable to watch. We will see how that goes. Um, have fun boys the the Thank power you. of a commitment that we made with very little foresight <laughs> <laughs> has propelled us yeah we can't stop the viewers demand more all right well i think it's about all for us uh gentlemen it's been a pleasure uh well, see you time. back thank you tanner so next much week. yes tanner, thank you so much. Me. Thank i hope that you'll come back soon yeah, it was a pleasure All right. Peace out, boys. See ya. See ya.